Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, Chris Stone is back. He, he had to take a quick little journey for his job into the mean streets of Delaware. Was Delaware, right? It was Delaware. Nice was little Delaware. two and a half week jaunt to Wilmington. Yeah. So Chris is here. We're going to talk about the NCAA tournament, but we're going to do it a little bit uh, differently. We're going to talk about it from the perspective of if you are an NBA draft fan and looking at the NCAA tournament from the perspective of just being an NBA fan, basically, what should you be watching for? What should you be looking for? Chris, before I get into all of that, please tell me, how are we doing, man? Is everything going okay? Yeah, everything's going pretty well. Back uh, currently on vacation, so now just living up lifestyle and uh, get to watch a bunch of basketball this week, so I'm pretty excited for that. Getting to watch basketball is clutch. It is the most important thing you can do on a week like this, where Thursday and Friday, you have all just great afternoon action. And then uh, Sunday, I have to like get on a plane and go down to Atlanta for 48 hours for McDonald's practices. And then like yeah, come those, back out. Those are good. They're fine. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm going to be really interested to see if everyone is like a little bit on alert after last season and the <laughs> Nasir Little like... Uh, you know, excitement that everyone had after McDonald's and uh, sure. you know Jordan Brand and all of those games. Because who boy, that did not go well. Yeah, not super great for him. Um, but those practices are still enlightening. You get to see a little bit, interact with the yeah. kids a little bit, which is always kind of nice. The Hawks facility is nice, so that'll be good. Yeah, let's uh, let's just note real quickly here that betonline.ag and Robinhood are our sponsors today. Uh, I, I will also just note, I am sure that at some point within this conversation, we will touch on uh, gambling because <laughs> that is that is something that we do here, or at least something that I do here. So let's start in the top left. We're going to go down the left side of the bracket. Then we're going to move to the right side of the bracket. Duke, North Carolina Central, North Dakota State, and then there's also VCU and UCF. The way that we're going to do this is we're going to do it by pods of four teams so that we can also talk about potential second round matchups as well. So Duke, obviously against North Dakota State or NC Central is not going to be a particularly exciting matchup. I will note that North Dakota State has a kid named Dengu. Uh, he is like six foot seven, six eight. Has long arms. Actually, can do some things like to match up with one of Duke's guys. And then if it's if it's NC Central, they are like in the bottom ten of the teams in the country nationally in turnover rate. So that is going to turn into a dunk fest out in transition for Duke if they play NC Central. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much only interested in this pod for the dunks, like. Yeah. Duke versus NC Central in that situation. Obviously, I think the most exciting possible second round thing here is Zion trying to dunk on Taco Fall. Not even yes. the game itself, just that game within the game. Because, frankly, like Duke is far better than all three teams in this pod. They have way more NBA prospects than anybody else in this pod. Like, I just I don't know that there's a lot of like super interesting risk here uh, for Duke. But I, you know, if you want to see the height of the Duke powers. Uh, the first round game is is certainly one you can watch. So I've got, uh, just kind of updating through my board, I've got Zion Williamson at one, R.J. Barrett at number two. I have Cam Reddish uh, down at seven right now. Um, and then I've got Trey Jones at 28. So 
those those are really your only four like top 100 prospects in this re in this little quad of four uh i would note that aubrey dawkins at ucf while being uh remarkably close to me in age uh <laughs> is also semi-real as a prospect 39 percent is a shooter can really knock down shots off the of screens off the move um bj taylor taco fall sort of interesting uh and, and then vcu doesn't really have any prospects but vcu is a good defensive team i actually am yeah. excited for that second round matchup though because ucf will just sit in zone in force yeah. duke to shoot over the top of them and then vcu plays unbelievably tough man-to-man defense uh it actually has a body to throw at zion williamson and marcus santos silva so you know you're, you're sitting here you look at the two teams vcu is 10th in two point procession or uh percentage against ucf is 14th in two point percentage against i actually think that like these two teams can cause duke some issues yeah they probably can be a little bit difficult for duke for sure um but i'm not not saying they're gonna win either yeah like i'm just saying like hey they'll cause issues yeah the fact that vcu is so good defensively is certainly something worth paying attention to because I think if there's a risk of Duke getting knocked off in the tournament, it's just that they have some kind of disaster offensive game where they're not able to shoot at a reasonable clip because they're bad at shooting. And, you know, in a tight game that gets them. So mm-hmm. in theory, I guess I could see both of those potentially being problematic for Duke or at least creating maybe a better game than we expect. But at the same time, like, they're just not going to be able to match up. And that's ultimately like why Duke is thriving, despite the fact that they can't shoot. Yeah. Like athletically VCU has athletes that they can at least like run at Duke. And the reason we're going to spend more time on Duke than most teams, just because Duke, um, but like VCU has actual athletes with size and length that they can throw at Duke. I, I think that my preferred matchup from a, from a fun standpoint is seeing Duke have to match up with Taco Fall because <laughs> Jesus, that would be so fun to see Zion, like Chris said, try and dunk on Taco Fall. But, you know, VCU is probably the more translatable matchup is maybe the way to put it. Yeah, I think that's right. VCU is likely more threatening to Duke than UCF is. But at the same time, if we're just rooting for fun, it's rooting for Taco Fall to get dunked on. No offense to Taco Fall, but just like sometimes you got to end up on a poster and and that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're looking for here. Um, With Duke, do you have any like overriding thoughts on that quad of prospects really with, uh, you know, Zion, RJ Cam, and Trey Jones? I mean, I I don't think there's much to say about Zion at this point. Like, he's the best prospect in college since at least Anthony Davis. And then, I mean, the really interesting takes probably come with Barrett and Reddish and how highly you rate either of those guys. I think that from my perspective for Barrett, I wouldn't be the most excited to be the team that is drafting him. I would be a very excited team to potentially trade him because I think his trade value will be pretty high. Uh, And I just, like... I have real questions about whether or not he can be an actual star, which is something that I'd be looking for with the top three pick. Um, Reddish to me is an interesting candidate. Like I, I really wonder what where Reddish would rank on a draft board if we didn't have his high school priors, because frankly, like he hasn't been good. And even with the high school priors, I think that there are some questions because if the idea of Reddish as a ball handler, which he was in high school, is supposed to be, you know, something we're looking forward to, then it's really hard to get excited about that, given that he's shooting like 40% on twos. And yeah. if he's going to be the guy who's creating your offense, I think it's really hard to imagine, you know, him being 
great at the NBA level. Like when I was kind of getting ready for this and just looking over those things, I, I released a big board earlier this year with Reddish at four. And it's just like, man, that dude probably has to go lower because I'm not really sure what he fits in doing in the NBA. Yeah. Like you talk to NBA executives, like, you know, uh, you kind of don't do that. Like maybe a little bit, but like I do it uh, quite a bit now and they'll tell you that cam is moving down their board but then, like, you'll ask them, oh, who are you moving ahead of them? They'll, they'll just, like, kind of blankly say, yeah, like, I, I don't, like, I, I wouldn't want to draft Cam in the top eight. Right. Or, like, I wouldn't want to draft him in the top nine. And then you say, oh, well, who are you going to take ahead of him? Or, like, you know, what prospect do you like more? Yep. And you can't really come up with an answer. And, you know, it's not one of the situations where, like, they're not, they're just not telling you. It's really hard to come up with an answer uh, of who you would draft ahead of Cam Reddish. Like, Jarrett Culver, I would be comfortable with. Would you draft Romeo Langford over Cam Reddish? I'd probably rather have Cam Reddish. Um, would you rather have Jackson Hayes or Cam Reddish? I would rather default to the wing who I think can be like, you know, multi-positionally value. Would you rather have Rui or Cam Reddish? I mean, like I can see the argument for Rui, but like I'd rather have Cam because I think there's a real chance that Rui is a small ball five if he doesn't learn to shoot. So like, you know, who's the guy? It just keeps coming back to who is the guy that you're going to say, hey, I'm going to take him over Cam Reddish once you get to like number seven or number, you know, wherever. Yeah, it gets really complicated. The person who I'll keep an eye on, perhaps, who I think is really good, is Brandon Clark. Um, Obviously, he's significantly older, but I think he poses an interesting question uh, about philosophically looking at the draft and searching out star power versus winning players. Like, Brandon Clark basically checks every box for someone who can contribute to winning in the NBA. Kind of like, like, I've started to think of him as like a super version of Jordan Bell when he was coming out. And... Well, let's let's wait until we yeah. get to Gonzaga to talk yeah, about Brandon but I just, Clark. I, I just wonder yeah. if like that's the type of player who could make that jump. Yeah, I I don't know if he'll make that jump. We'll talk about him in a minute, but like I, I am generally with you. I realized looking at hoops hype. So hoops hype does like an aggregate mock draft, right? Right. So I am considerably higher on Brandon Clark in the aggregate mock draft than everyone else is. Like I have him like you know eight or nine spots higher. Yeah. But like you talk to me about him. And I am like a lot more questionable on it than what sure. I think most people are uh, throughout this process. So let's uh, let's move on to this next uh, you know foursome of teams: uh, Mississippi State, Liberty, Virginia Tech, St. Louis. This one will not be as long of a conversation. Um, <laughs> Mississippi State, I will say, they have five guys that like are actually pretty interesting to some extent they do have uh lamar peters they have quindry weatherspoon reggie perry eric holman nick weatherspoon is suspended right now um but exists for mississippi state and it's unclear on what his status is going forward um anyone there that particularly interests you eric holman's pretty interesting if you like bigs who can shoot um he blocks a few shots i'm not sure that that'll translate to the nba level quindary weatherspoon sort of fills every statistical category, which is really nice. But at the same time, it's not clear that he's an NBA level player. Um, So there are a lot of, I think, really good college players and perhaps fringe pro prospects in that uh, on that roster. But it's not that there's anybody who really jumps out that says, like, this is someone you must watch. So I would probably rank them long term. Reggie Perry at number one, Quindry Weatherspoon at number two, Holman at three, Peters at four. Um, I'm not 
like Eric Holman, the problem with him is like he's kind of a fake defender and like, yeah. he can shoot the ball. But I mean, there's a reason that he has fallen out of you know Mississippi State's starting lineup at times this year, uh, and it's mostly because he struggles defensively and because Reggie Perry took his spot. Reggie Perry is still a year away. I think he was awesome in SEC play, just an absolute beast. Uh, I thought he was going to be one of the most productive freshmen in college basketball this season. It took him a while, but he's kind of getting close to that. Six ten, two forty five, can step away and shoot a little bit. Really, really good rebounder. Not much of a passer yet. That's the next step for him, being able to actually initiate stuff. Uh, and then Quindry Weatherspoon, uh, you know, has just done it all this year. He's shooting 40% from three. He's averaging 18 and a half points. Super efficient as a scorer. He's become a better defender. He's just kind of rounded out his game as a senior to where I wouldn't be like totally shocked if a team gave him a two-way next year. Yeah, that seems about where he fits. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, number 12, Liberty. Liberty uh, does not really have any NBA prospects and just generally fuck Liberty. So that's about all I got on that one. We're, we're rooting hard for Mississippi State in that game at the Game Theory Podcast because, yeah, fuck Liberty. Uh, Virginia Tech, uh, the number four in this region, obviously is Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is sitting at number 13 on my board. I also have Justin Robinson ranked. Uh, I have him at 92. Uh, He is, I think, just going to be a guy that might get a two-way contract so that he can actually allow teams to evaluate their G League team in a way. Because, like, you know, it's hard to find point guards that can really distribute at that level. And uh, also, I would throw in Ahmed Hill, Ty Outlaw, Kerry Blackshear as guys that are, like, kind of interesting. Um they play St. Louis. I will say this is an interesting matchup to something of an extent. And the reason that I will say that is St. Louis has a lot of tough physical defenders. Uh, like I would imagine they're just going to throw Javon Bess, who was all a 10 defense at yep. Nikhil Alexander Walker and just try and make his life just miserable. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go with it. I think that St. Louis has some talent and like you said, tough dudes who, who will guard Virginia Tech really well. Um, the problem, obviously, I think, like if you put Javon Best on Nikhil Alexander-Walker, then you're sacrificing some size and stuff elsewhere because they don't really have enough perimeter size uh, in in my mind, and that makes things a little bit more difficult. Like I don't expect St. Louis to really compete in this game necessarily. Uh, Maybe like we get a close first half and Virginia Tech pulls away in the second or something like that. But from a prospect perspective, obviously, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is the player to watch here. Um, and, and you hope that perhaps he gets an interesting matchup in the second round against that collection of Mississippi state players. We already mentioned. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I I will be interested to see how Nikhil responds to these two teams filled with athleticism. Uh, yeah, Nikhil this year has been pretty good for the most part in situations like that. Um, you know, you can look at, uh, Louisville, he dropped, you know, 17 on Louisville. He was fine there. You can look at North Carolina. He dropped 19 on North Carolina and their big loss to them. Um, Florida state, he had 19 in their last game of the season and then had 21 in the ACC tournament. Duke, uh, he was not like fantastic in their one game against Duke, but he still went for 13, six and five, um, with four steals in that game. So he showed well, it was without Zion, but like, you know, he showed well in that game against athleticism. I think that, you know, he just plays so well at his own pace now that he's going to be fine. And basically whatever matchup, you know, you, you put him against, 
Getting him back with Justin Robinson is also going to be nice because it will allow him to showcase both his on-ball and off-ball ability. I agree with all of that. That makes a ton of sense to me. I'll, I'll be interested to watch him against those athletes. I mean, he's he's somebody where he's sort of proven it this year, but yeah. given his freshman season, you sort of are, I guess, always waiting for that backslide to happen, even though it may not ever happen. Yeah. Let's move on. Maryland against Belmont now that Temple has been eliminated and LSU against Yale. This is actually a really, really fun pod for NBA draft prospects. Um, yeah. So Maryland has Bruno Fernando, who has moved into uh, my top 25, at least. I have him at number 22. NBA teams that you'll talk to, a little bit more excited about him, just because they tend to like centers more than I do. Um, you know, They'll tell you that he's definitely a top 20 guy. I, I just... We'll talk about no. Actually, we should talk about this now that I think about it. Um, whenever we get through who the prospects are, but Jalen Smith I have as a top forty-five prospect uh, for Maryland. I don't think there's really uh, Aaron Wiggins is a guy long term. I would say yeah. that is very interesting. Uh, six six seven foot wingspan. You know, good player. Eric Ayala is semi interesting. He's just old for his age. Uh, I think he's like twenty as a freshman right now. For Belmont, it's all about Dylan Windler. Uh, you know, 68 true shooting percentage, 27.5 rebounding rate, good passer, gets in passing lanes defensively. This year, he shot 67% from two point range, 42% from three point range, and 85 from free throws. I mean, like, he's just an awesome prospect. Uh, what do you think of this Belmont Maryland game? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I think perhaps the, the going back to sort of joking about Zion and, and Taco Fall, but the game within the game that I'm interested in here is is whether or not Windler can score efficiently at the rim uh, against the likes of Fernando and Smith, largely yeah. because he's been really good at it, uh, and even on, on assisted makes and all of the kind of things you look for to check the boxes there, he's been great at. Um, but obviously when you take a step up in competition, it's always interesting to see how somebody responds there. So that's probably like the thing that I will pay attention to the most here. Um, obviously like lots of prospects on display, lots of opportunities, but they don't match up with one another, uh, perfectly given, you know, they play different positions, obviously. So, yeah, I would bring up Dylan Windler as well in this matchup. So he is not a guy that has played like exceedingly well offensively against high-level teams this year. So I mentioned he has a 68 true shooting percentage this season. They've played 10 games against Tier A and B competition uh, this year, according to Kempom. He has a 52.5 true shooting percentage in those games. Mostly it's because he hasn't shot well from three, and I think that's a little bit noisy. But at the same time, like this is a guy that can't really go out and get you his own. Like He is not a guy you say, hey, ISO on this uh, defender who's probably going to be a little bit smaller than you because we're going to put uh, a smaller guy on you because you can't really post, you can't really hurt us just with your back to the basket um, and hurt us. Drive to the basket. Go get us a bucket right now, Dylan. Um, he just doesn't have the handle to do that. What he does well is moves off the ball, knocks down open shots. He's a perfect modern NBA role player. It's just that, you know, in a game like this where he's very clearly Belmont's best player, he's not going to be the guy that goes out and, like, gets them buckets. Yeah, that's exactly right. And Maybe we can take some solace in the fact that he's been a little better against high-level competition the last couple of years, but... Yeah. It is something that you don't get a ton of opportunities to see. And Maryland has players who 
although they don't play the same position, can challenge him on the interior uh, and and make life a little bit more difficult. So he's probably the most interesting thing about this game. Um, I'm a little probably lower on Fernando than you are, and, and that goes to some of the replacement effects in terms of bigs. Uh, the same is true for, for Jalen Smith, but both obviously are good players. Um, and it's not like I wouldn't expect Bruno Fernando to have an interesting or good NBA career necessarily. It's just that, you know, there's there's certain value in other positions. So, yeah, like we should talk about Bruno Fernando's year because he was really, really good this year. And he was mm-hmm. really good for reasons that show growth in his game, uh, especially when looking forward to a potential NBA career. Um, not the best defender. Not a guy that you're going to like. just say, hey, you're going to shut down the rim for us. But offensively, Maryland has started to put him in some short roll actions. He can actually put the ball on the deck a little bit. He's a really, really good passer now out of short rolls. He's a really good post or low post passer now. Um, efficient as a scorer at the basket. Uh, you know, a guy who will destroy the defensive glass for you. Like he, he will own that side of the spectrum. And then there's something there with that jump shot. I don't know that like I fully trust it, but mechanically there is something there, I think, to grow on for him. Uh, the problem is the defense. It's, so it's just like he is like kind of a lesser DeAndre Ayton in a lot of ways. Like he's poor man's DeAndre Ayton. That's valuable. But I think it's valuable, like, in the last third of the first round. Yeah, that sounds about right. And frankly, like, I would probably let him slip into the second and be okay with it. Um, The differentiator there, right, relative to other bigs is potentially that passing, I think. Uh, And I guess if he develops that jump shot a little bit more and becomes more consistent with it, I'm with you that maybe there's something there. It's just I don't know that we've seen enough to be confident in that yet. But I do think that the passing that you mentioned is real. The ability to, to do that consistently could be something that allows him to separate from from all of the replacement level bigs who exist at the NBA level, and maybe that's sufficient. Um, but it really is, for me, just a, a philosophical question of where bigs fit uh, on a draft board, and it, it becomes harder to justify. But like I said, it's not that I don't expect Fernando to play in the NBA or be good in the NBA or anything like that. It's just that there are a lot of players who can potentially be like him uh, unless you know, that passing is, is sufficiently different for his position. So, yeah. And then, uh, Jalen Smith been a bit of overlap with Bruno this year in a lot of ways. Uh, my, so like I'm betting on him returning to school, to be honest. Um, from what I've been told, like there was something of like a two year plan there, uh, for Jalen Smith. Like he's, if he blew up this year, he'd be comfortable leaving, but, if he didn't, which I don't really think he did unless he goes crazy in this NCAA tournament, uh, there would be a comfort level staying in school. So, I mean, I like the idea of him. I just worry that he falls into the four or five tweener that you and I have talked about pretty extensively in the past. Yeah, I was going to say he's he's sort of the kind of guy that I don't get super excited about. Like, he doesn't necessarily project to be a great shooter, and he probably needs to be a good shooter at least to bring sufficient value at the position that he'll play because I'm not entirely sure that he's big enough to do Seven the rest. Things. Yeah. Yeah. The, I will say that, like, people swear to me that he can shoot. Uh, he's made 18 of 66 from three this year, so that's not good. People... <laughs> People swear to me that he can shoot. So we'll find yeah, out. Sure. We'll mean, find out next year if that's true. <laughs> yeah, like I just, it's hard to buy a dude who's 18 of 66 from three and shooting 67% from the foul line as somebody who's actually a good shooter. 
Yeah, Aaron Wiggins uh, is definitely a good shooter. Doesn't really have much else there yet. Uh, he's just not quite there yet. Um, but 40.1% from three, 86% from the foul line. Um, just generally a dude that has a fascinating statistical profile. Not quite there yet, but when you throw the statistical profile in with the uh, uh, just general tools, I mean, he's 6'6 with a 7-foot yeah. wingspan. There's a lot to be excited about there. Yeah, he physically fits what you were looking for, and in an NBA that demands quality shooting, he's somebody worth keeping an eye on, even if he's probably not somebody who will be in the draft this year. Yeah, yeah, no, he's definitely like a 2020-2021 guy. Let's talk about LSU and uh, Yale which is a fascinating uh, game for a lot of reasons. I think Yale has the best NBA prospect in this game. Uh, would you agree or disagree? Uh, yeah, that sounds reasonable to me. I, I don't think that that's wrong. So what I would say is Mie Oni, who is 6'6", with about a 6'11"-ish wingspan at Yale, uh, he is the kind of player that fits perfectly in as like a role player at the NBA level, 57 true shooting percentage, 21 assist rate, uh, good block rate, good steal rate, um, knocks down 39% of his three pointers has been a pretty consistent free throw shooter. You know, it, when he plays against athletes, he tends to do well. Um, what I will say though, is that like they've only played two games against like high level athletes this year. One was against Miami. Uh, Miami, he went nuts. Uh, and by the way, like I'm not counting this Cal game where they played <laughs> in China. Like, sorry guys, just not doing it. N not for me. Um, you know, they played Memphis. Memphis has some high level athletes. I will say that he went for like sure. 15, eight and four in that game. But against Miami, he goes for 29, six in an assist. And then against Duke, uh, he struggled a little bit more. He went for 12, 9, and 5. So, you know, he is a guy that I, I do want to see against LSU's athleticism. Because LSU, if there's one thing they have, they have NBA-level athleticism uh, from the 2 through 5 position. Yeah, that's certainly true. Uh, I'm a little surprised that Mieoni isn't getting a little bit of some, like, Jacob Evans treatment this year. In that he sort of fits his statistics. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, if they beat LSU, he probably will. And, and maybe just as a draft prospect process goes on he will because he sort of fits the statistical profile of what you would want defensively um very much is obviously a good shooter uh perhaps in ways that you know i think that there are probably a few more question marks with jacob evans as a shooter than there were with oni um and and so it would not surprise me to see him climb up a little bit higher as the process goes on especially if people think that he can compete athletically with the other guys who are in that range yeah I've been saying this for a while. I think Mieoni has a chance to go late first round. Like, I, I really do. Yeah. Uh, would not surprise me at all. Uh, LSU, very interesting situation at LSU because Will Wade is out. Uh, are you are you a Will Wade guy? I, I am in on Will Wade. <laughs> I mean, look, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan of dropping the bag, so. Just, just drop the bag, baby. It. Drop it, Will. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um he actually was doing a really good job. Hilarious thing that happened. Yeah. So uh, I may or may not after he was uh, before he was suspended after the news came out about him dropping the bag or allegedly dropping allegedly. the bag. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yes, yes. I voted for him uh, as one of my three nominees for National Coach of the Year. Well, you know, recruiting is part of coaching and he's doing well with that. So he also did like a great job <laughs> coaching. 
too. He did. Like he, yes, he did yes, a yes. great job coaching this roster. Um, no, you're not wrong. So Naz Reed, I have him like right around 40 or so on my board. Um, Tremont Waters is probably in the top 120 or so. Javante Smart and Skylar Mays are interesting prospects. Not necessarily. And and Emmett Williams, I would throw in this mix as well. I I don't really know 100% what to do with them yet. Uh, I will be excited to see them next year, hopefully. Where are you at on Naz Reed, though? Because Reed is the most interesting guy here, I think. Yeah, he's... Definitely the most interesting because he's super creative offensively and does a lot of things that in theory should be mismatches. Yeah. Uh, I wish that he were a better decision maker and passer. Like he has a one to three assist to turnover ratio, uh, which for someone who will develop most of his value on the offensive end is certainly not good. Um, yeah. Just really not good defensively. And that's a problem. Um, I think so that's like, that, that is, that's a kind statement to him. The way I know, you put that. I know. Like, He's he's a really bad defender. <laughs> yeah, um, and and really like that may be enough to not let him play in the NBA. Um, so if he's really bad at defense, he has to be really really good at offense. And maybe he is in some areas, but the fact that he commits so many turnovers makes it really difficult to justify keeping him on the floor on that end too, uh, at an NBA level. And so I'm significantly lower uh, than where I was on him. Again. Uh, you mentioned this here a little as somebody who benefited from the all-star circuit. I think Naz Reed, uh, getting to play point Naz Reed in some of those all-star games perhaps shaped uh, how people thought of his value a little bit too much too. Yeah, I don't think I ever had Naz higher than like 30 on my board, like something like that. Um, I've since dropped him into, I think he's like a very clear second round prospect. Um, yeah. the, re- the reason I say that is mostly because of the defense. I think he's a backup NBA center. Um, and if I'm, getting a backup NBA center. I'm just not taking that guy in the first round. There are too many centers out there. Yep. Uh, and you mentioned the assists. He has three assists in his last nine games. Uh, I actually think that he can pass the ball a little bit. Like you watch him. I do too. Like he actually does make advanced passing reads regularly. It's very weird to me that like, he yeah. just doesn't get the num. He doesn't get the assist numbers. Um, yeah, the turnovers are a problem. He does just, you know, either driving the basketball or, uh, making the wrong decision, passing the ball. He does turn the ball over too much, but the mix of shooting, he's at 37% from three with the ability to attack closeouts in the way that he can at his size. It's at least interesting to me, man. Like I I can't be intrigued. Yeah, I mean, he's a fun player, too. So, like, it makes it easy to be intrigued about what he could bring to the table. Um, It's just, you know, really... He's battling for a really difficult position, and he has a lot of drawbacks, and that makes things complicated. Like, I would take him 45 to 60 and not really think twice. Sure. But probably not in the top 45 right now. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um, Tremont Waters, do we want to talk about him? Do we want to just... Do we want to mention the Nazarene Bruno Fernando potential matchup? Because I think that is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, that would be somewhat interesting. Uh, I don't mind that as, as a topic of conversation. Tremont Waters is like a shorter, less efficient, less good passing version of Trey Young. And the line between being Trey Young and being that is, is uh, a big drop off. Yeah, can we talk like. about the fact that Tremont Waters was co SEC Defensive Player of the Year? I mean, I guess that's a decision you can make. Uh, not not a good one, that's to be sure. <laughs> um, does have the 5.3% steal rate, but if you watch 
like LSU actually defend. He is like a problem for them out there yeah. <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. Like he's just small. If he's not getting in passing lanes, like it's a problem. And then like the reason they got eliminated from the SEC tournament was he just totally fell asleep guarding Andrew Nemhard. And right. Emhard goes out and knocks down a three. Like it, it was, it was the most bizarre award I've seen. I think this year, and that's coming from someone that like pays attention to these awards <laughs> way more than I should. Yeah, I feel like we always get some good uh, postseason awards where you're like, wait a second, that that doesn't jive at all. That doesn't add up. What are we doing here? Um, yeah. I'm I'm running through so. LSU actually played like a pretty loaded schedule this year. You know, I'm like making sure that he, LSU was actually better with him defensively on the floor. They were. <laughs> That's good. It's at there least go. nice that, you know, LSU was like five points per 100 possessions better with him defensively on the floor. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. at least it's not a total disaster of a choice. Yeah. It's pretty it's, bad. But. It's pretty bad. Um, yeah. I will also just mention this really quickly uh, before we move on. I do think that Belmont is going to beat Maryland. And the reason that I say that is the transition game. Uh, Maryland, if you've watched Maryland this year, they do not do a good job of limiting turnovers. (laughs) Um, And Belmont will just dominate you in the turnover game. Like Belmont is going to turn that ball over maybe like five times. Like they have a top 20 turnover rate offensively. Maryland has the second worst turnover rate defensively. Uh, Belmont doesn't necessarily force a ton of turnovers, but Maryland will literally just throw them the ball at times. So like they're going to get transition opportunities in that game. It wouldn't surprise me to see Belmont have like a 15 point advantage in fast break points in that game, whether or not that's enough to like get rid of the half court advantage, just talent wise that Maryland should have in that game. I don't know, but I think that it's going to be really difficult to overcome. Yeah, I agree. There's a real chance that that's an 11-14 matchup in the second round, I think. There is. I agree. I would love to yeah. see Belmont-Yale. Give me the Dylan Windler matchup. That'd be really fun. Matchup. Um, yeah. Let's move on. Next, we've got uh, Louisville, Minnesota, Michigan State, Bradley. A lot more disappointing from a prospect perspective than what you would think. Uh <laughs> Yeah. So Louisville, Minnesota is the first game of the tournament, so you will watch it. But Jordan Wara is the best prospect in this pod. Uh, 6'7", shooter, not really a great athlete right now, though. Like, I don't think he should go to the NBA this year. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, probably somebody who fits more as a power forward than as a perimeter player. Right now, at least, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and at that size, that's a bit of a struggle uh, for him to survive. I agree with that. Um, he needs to go back and just continue working on his body, I think, and working on his quickness. Uh, and Louisville yeah. like has the program to do that. Uh, some of these guys, like you know, they may not have the program to return to to right. be the kind of guy who can do that. I think Louisville would really take care of him. Uh, there's no one really else on Louisville that's worth talking about. Minnesota has Amir Coffey. Amir Coffey has never really figured out how to shoot the basketball and never really figured yeah. out how to be efficient uh, in yep. his decision-making and in his ability to score. Um, 54% your shooting percentage this year. Kind of like a point forward because they don't have a great uh, great point guard situation there. Jordan Murphy, another guy, like junkyard dog. Jordan Murphy is a guy that if you are – 
a power forward prospect going into draft workouts, you are not going to want to see Jordan Murphy <laughs> on the other side because uh, yeah. he will. He is going to be someone that makes people look bad in workouts. But I don't really think that he's anything more than a G League guy either. Yeah, that sounds right on all counts to me. Um, Michigan State. I mean, Aaron Henry to me is Michigan State's most interesting prospect. Like we should talk about Cassius Winston real quick. Um, he is an unbelievable pick and roll point guard. Uh, yeah. he, he can shoot really, really well from distance. He's an obviously really good passer. He has improved as a guy that will limit turnovers, but doesn't really defend, still turns it over too much and just doesn't have a whole lot of size or athleticism. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably a little higher on Winston than you are because of the pick-and-roll play and the ability to shoot off the bounce and off the catch. Also finishes at the rim probably better than you would expect for a guy who's 6'1", 185. Yeah. Um, but like you said, the defense and the turnovers are certainly a real problem. Um, it would not surprise me like if he plays in the NBA for a while as a backup point card, though, and, and that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I think that's reasonable, and, too. And I agree with you about Aaron Henry being their best and most interesting guy long-term, for sure. 6'6", yeah, six, shoots it, yep. like... Pretty good length, all sorts yeah. of athleticism, good frame, 38% from three, um, still turns it over. Like it, He's still a 2021 prospect, but like he is at least interesting. Nick Ward, yeah. no. I mean, like I don't think Xavier Tillman's a prospect, but the thing that differentiates him from Nick Ward is that he's a really good defender. Sure. Um, um, but I also I, agree that I don't really think he's a prospect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Bradley, like, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I've watched a whole lot of Bradley this year. Just not uh, I've watched. I've watched a whole lot of zero Bradley this year. So. Just yeah, just absolutely not going to do it. Um, before we move on to the next uh, segment here, though, let's talk about Bet Online. March Madness is upon us. It's another huge month in sports across the NBA and NCAA. There's only one place to get in on all this action. It's BetOnline.ag. Support our podcast by going to www.clnsmedia.com slash win and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's CLNS50, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, look, I'll, I'll give you a couple things that like I've already got money on. I lost money on Temple last night for what it's worth, too. I thought that their guards would cause Belmont problems. I am going to like Belmont. Uh I do like Northeastern's money line. I, I don't really know that I love Kansas. I don't know that I love Northeastern against the number, but I do As a love Kansas grad who has watched lots of Kansas. I also like Northeastern's money line. <laughs> it's like plus two sixty or something right now. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. Look, uh, I, I do like that one. I like St. Mary's a decent amount. Um, there, there's just a lot of really, really fun games, this NCAA tournament that I will be placing some money on. Um, you know, look, we love our friends here at betonline.ag. Uh, they are your online sportsbook experts. Just go to that clnsmedia.com slash win, uh, website and then type in that promo code clns50 and you're going to get a 50 percent cashback bonus on your first deposit chris let's move on to the west region maybe the best region in terms of like basketball let's start with gonzaga um gonzaga is going to get fairly dickinson and then they're going to get a zone matchup in round two be it either syracuse or baylor Gonzaga has uh, Rui Achimura, who I'm a little bit higher on than you. I have him at number mm-hmm. 11 on my board right now. You probably have him at like 25, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Um, 
Brandon Clark, I have at number 15. You probably have a little higher than that. Yeah, I think maybe like 12, 13-ish. I have to look. Um, and then Zach Norvell, like a top 60 guy. Killian Tilly, yep. like a top 60 guy. Um, you know, Josh Perkins, I wouldn't be surprised to get like workouts at all. I agree. I, I agree. I, I like Josh Perkins a little bit more than some others. I agree. So, I mean, like, look, I don't expect Fairley Dickinson to give them many problems. What do you kind of, you know, we wanted to talk about Brandon Clark a little bit earlier where, I mean, the Brandon Clark discussion is fascinating because my problem with Brandon is I don't think he really has, he's a four or five tweener. He doesn't yes. have the frame to really be a five, but doesn't have the jump shot to be a four yet. The jump shot is improving. He's getting there. Uh, he has become better as a shooter throughout the year and has made strides as a shooter. I mean, fuck, if you watched him at San Jose State, he was yeah. shot putting that ball from like his right <laughs> shoulder. Um, but it's still yeah, it's not a- there yet. And like he needs to be a kind of legit shooter to be a four in the NBA. Yeah, it's always good when you're like, man, uh, really expectations play a role here because he's 69% from the foul line and we're like, man, he's making some strides. Like, yeah. That's better. <laughs> but like, it's also like growth process, right? Like this yeah, is yeah, something 100%. that I talked about a couple days ago on Twitter. Like to me, like I, I think that Keith Smith said like, uh, you know, NBA teams are more willing to ignore age now whenever right. they're evaluating draft prospects. And I don't really think it's ever been about age. I think it's always been about finding guys that are on a positive growth trajectory and guys that are, you know, 21, 22. There's a reason that they've stayed in college. They've probably stagnated in some way. And yeah, you don't really want guys that are stagnating. You want guys that are getting better and better. And Brandon Clark's a guy that just keeps getting better and better and better. So like, I'm okay with the expectations being as low as they are, if only because the starting point was as low as it was. Right. Right. So like yeah, the that, fact that he is, true. the fact that he is like a 69% uh, free throw shooter. Nice. And a 29% three point shooter and has made four threes this year. It's a fucking miracle. Like, it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's great. Yeah. No, that's certainly true. Um, I mean, the thing with him, obviously, like, those are the places you're going to watch for improvement. But he does, like, everything else so well yeah. that that's why he's interesting. He's super interesting because of the prospects of playing as a, him as a small ball five in some level of lineups. Like, Yep. And, and that's really interesting. He contributes to winning in a ton of different ways. Scores efficiently, doesn't have to have a high usage, generates steals, generates blocks. Like, it, it takes something for statistical models or for stats people to like a player who's 22 years old, given the importance of youth in projection. Um, and Clark is someone that people like a lot because he does everything well. And I think he poses interesting questions, like I mentioned earlier at the top of the draft, where you have a ton of players who are not the most interesting from a star equity perspective, that it may make sense for somebody just to take someone that they know is going to be good. Like, for example, like if the Lakers end up in the bottom half of the top 10, like Brandon Clark is like not a bad selection for them at all. So I don't, I talked to the, about this with Ben Rosales on Twitter and I don't really agree with that because the okay. Lakers have had a ton of success hitting on centers in the second round. Sure. Like they hit Zubak. They hit um, Thomas Bryant. Magic Johnson's just a moron and traded them for nothing. <laughs> They just drafted Mo Wagner. Like, I wouldn't want to keep using draft assets uh, in the first round in multiple years when I have LeBron James. It 
like on centers or guys that you think ostensibly are going to play center, which is what you'd be doing with Brandon Clark when you already have sure. LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma. So I like I don't see value there for the Lakers with Clark. Where I see him is in Minnesota. Put him next to Carl Anthony Towns and just let him fucking wreak havoc and help defense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Minnesota is obviously another great fit. And, and I certainly take your point with regards to um, – the nature of replacement level centers and and the Lakers for sure. But right. uh, in terms of a basketball fit and like their need to compete now, he's probably better organized, better suited to do that than some of the wings that they might select in that range. Definitely agree with that. hundred percent agree with that. Um, in terms of Rui, do you want to run by like what you're worried about with Rui too? Yeah. I mean, somebody who's on the older end of the spectrum, like Brandon Clark, but doesn't necessarily check all the statistical boxes that you would want. Um, I certainly understand that he's an improving player, uh, but just turn 21 I, for what it's worth yeah. for people. Um, I don't know that I'm excited about him as a self creator offensively at the NBA level. And I'm pretty skeptical of the defense at the NBA level. And that makes it really tough to figure out where he fits in. I do think that whoever they play in the second round, if it's Syracuse or Baylor, he will like feast against either of those zone defenses from the middle of them, yeah. um, which will be a great look for him. But just as an NBA player, I'm not super sold on what he does that translates as well. So I am uh, excited about him as a primary scorer. It might be like your bench option, primary scorer. Sure. But I think that his intersection of quickness and power is rare. Like it, it's, it's just not something you see normally from a yeah, prospect that is his size. Like he is strong as shit and he can actually blow by you with a first step like that. That stuff doesn't really happen regularly. Um, he's like, I mean, it's like to a much, 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 much low, like lesser extent, but like, it's what we see with Zion, like to an extent, right? Like Zion has that incredible elite level intersection of quickness and power and it allows him to become the best prospect since anthony davis rui achimura has that to an extent it has diminishing value because of just you know the fact that he hasn't really shoot it at a high level yet uh one thing that i was told here's a little scouting insight that i didn't put in my coach's poll as a favor to the coach um and if coaches that are playing gonzaga are going to listen to this uh you know watch this on tape uh when Rui is going to go into a pull-up jump shot, he has a soft dribble right before he pulls up, and teams have started noticing it. Uh, so, like, he'll dribble, dribble, take a couple power dribbles, then we'll take a super soft one, and that's how you know he's going to pull up. Mm. Yeah, that's certainly worth watching, and something that can be disrupted a little bit, probably, too. Right, and I think that uh, that'll be really interesting to see if uh, anyone else picks up on that, because it's something that needs to be fixed. Right, yeah. Um, as a scorer around the basket, I think he's really good. His defense is bad, but I want, like, he has the tools to be a good defender. Sure. The, the problem is that he just, I think he's not reactive enough yet because, you know, he's still learning American culture. Like, he's still learning, like, how to do everything in America. Right. Like, in Japan, he was never asked to defend. Like, I say this as someone <laughs> who has done a lot of work on him. Like, I've written about him multiple times, I've talked to him multiple hours like many hours of my life i have talked to Rui Hachimura. you know it, it's over three probably um sure. like he just genuinely was never asked to do anything on that end so i think that there is like part of it he's still trying to figure out how exactly to close out he's still trying to figure out how to react i mean it, it's hard to project that though sure i think that um, that's right 
Yeah, so like we're going to get Syracuse or Baylor. Baylor to me does not really have anyone that's particularly interesting from a draft perspective. Syracuse has Tyus Battle, has um, O'Shea Brissett, has Elijah Hughes. Is kind of an interesting guy a little bit. Uh, is there anyone that stands out to you as like someone you're interested to see play Gonzaga? Not really. Like, <laughs> I mean, we just know so much about Ty's battle at this stage. Yeah, you know what I, was, I mean. I was, I was going to say, like, I'm sure that we talked about Ty's battle last year, and basically nothing has changed about what we think of him as a prospect. Probably, um, yeah. O'Shea Brissett is probably less interesting even than he was last year. Um, Baylor doesn't really have pros. I really enjoy watching Makai Mason play basketball, but like, yeah. not really a pro. Um, and and from a second round perspective, like. I guess it would be sort of interesting to watch Baylor's frontline guys go up against Gonzaga's frontline guys because they are big and they play hard and all of that. But, like, you know, I'm not super interested in in watching that battle necessarily. Like, it's not must-see TV for me. Um, Marquette, Murray State. Speaking of must-see TV. (laughs) That is must-see TV. That is the game that I think everyone should watch. That is John Morant against Marcus Howard. They're going to get cross-matched. Like, Marquette is yeah. going to put Sakar and M on, um, on Ja Morant. And then Murray State is going to put, what, maybe uh, maybe Shaq Buchanan on, uh, on Marcus Howard. You know, may- maybe they even go bigger. Maybe they go with, like, a guy with some real size, like Tevin Brown. Like, yeah. it's not impossible. But um, I would imagine that they probably go with uh, – go with Shaq Buchanan on him and just have Shaq's athleticism and length bother the hell out of him. I was really excited to bet against Murray State when they won the OVC because I don't think the supporting cast is very good, and I figured the public would be all over Ja Morant. This is a matchup that I'm very excited to watch, but not one I I am as excited to bet on because I don't really trust Marquette. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I have a very difficult time deciding who will win this game. Um, I'm really just here to watch Marcus Howard and John Morant get buckets. And, you know, that's enough for me. I don't need money on the line in this one. I just need some joy from those two. What do you think of uh, Marcus Howard as a prospect? Because we both have John Morant in the top, like, three, right? Yes. Yeah. John Morant's obviously a top three prospect in the drafts. Uh, Marcus Howard is interesting given that he's such an impressive shooter. Uh, can shoot it off the bounce, can shoot it off the catch, can run off of screens and do all of that. But the obvious fact that he's five foot 11 and 175 pounds makes things so much more difficult. Like the, the problem with Marcus Howard is the margin for error is just so, so slim. It's for like him zero. To, <laughs> yeah. And it's just so hard for guys who are so small to make it in the NBA and like maybe. He can do it because he's such a good shooter. Um, I don't know if he makes it in the NBA, but he will play basketball for a while somewhere and be really good and really fun wherever he ends up. Um, And that's probably enough. But as an NBA player, I'm not the most excited just because that margin for error is so low. Yeah, I think he's a second round pick. Um, Sure. I I would take him just because he is like if you look at the numbers, he might be the best pull up shooter since Steph Curry to enter the NBA. Like that's a crazy fucking statement, but it's also true. Like he is, his numbers are unbelievable as a pull-up shooter. There's just no margin for error defensively. He's not a very good defender. Um, He's not a very good distributor either, to be honest. Like he just, he'll make, he has the ball in his hands so much that he gets assists, but like he's not making advanced like pick and roll reads either. Right. So 
I don't know, man. I, I can't really like, I, I like him. I, I would like to see him succeed. He is only 19. So like, Hey, there is still a lot of time here or no, he just turned 20. I'm sorry. Shout out. Happy birthday, Marcus Howard. But like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not as excited for that as right. I think a lot of people are. I agree. Give me uh, uh, Sam Hauser thoughts after he showed up in the Kevin Pelton model. Uh, where did I, I haven't read Kevin's story yet. Where did he show up? I think he shows up like top 20, top 30 statistically, at least. Sure. Sounds sounds great. Makes sense <laughs> for someone who has a career like 45 percent, three point percent. Hot take. I think Joey Hauser is a better prospect. Ooh, I mean, he's a little bigger. Makes some sense. Way better athlete, too. Yeah. And if you notice. 43% three-point shooter this year, too. Despite the <laughs> fact that he was a guy known uh, coming in as a, like someone that might struggle a little bit from three. He's kind of figured that out quicker yeah. than what a lot of scouts expected. I think he's... Like, Sam Hauser is an interesting prospect uh, because he is just a fucking elite shooter. But Joey Hauser, I think, has the ability to round out the edges of Sam Hauser's game that make it that make him kind of problematic in transition to the NBA. Um, If Joey can even get to a slightly lower extent than Sam, I think that I think there's a lot to be excited about. Do you want the Hauser brothers or the Duncan brothers from Vermont in a three point contest? What an outrageous transition. (laughs) People talk to me about transitions like that. Chris stone is coming for the top. (laughs) He's coming for the neck. Uh, Florida state against Vermont. I love Florida State. Like I, I think they have a real chance to go to the Final Four out of this region. I was asked to go on uh, radio in Louisville with Jason Anderson, and I didn't realize this th- at the time. Like as I did it, I picked Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, and Florida State to make the Final Four. Man, these East Coast basketball hacks. Uh, yeah, and someone said like, "Oh, just all SC or all ACC bias," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, wow, yeah, ACC bias coming from the center of Hollywood." The, uh, the Sun Belt of the ACC. Um, I really like Florida State. I really think that Terrence Mann's going to play in the NBA, and I like uh, Fiondu Cabangele as well as an interesting 2020 guy. Uh, where are you at on those two? Yeah, uh, I don't necessarily disagree with you about Terrence Mann. Can shoot it, plays tough, uh, has positional size. think he probably gets a shot. Uh, Kevin Gale sort of, I, I think is interesting because he might be able to shoot it. Uh, yeah. And if he can do that, obviously he has the size to be really, really interesting. Um, and, and like you said, if he comes back for a year, I think that there's a chance that he pushes up draft boards pretty high. Um, my favorite potential and look, look, I actually don't want to like short change Vermont. They have Anthony lamb. He's like six, five. He's a good guard can shoot. He's the ball. really fun. Very fun player actually has a shot at the NBA. Yeah. I think that Florida State's just going to overwhelm the Duncan trio in this game. And like, it could get kind of ugly for Vermont, but the best possible matchup here is Florida State against Murray State. I think, I think that that's, yeah, probably that's probably right. Um, and let John Morant compete against that size and athleticism. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, has played Alabama. He's played Auburn this year. Like he hasn't not gone up against athletes, but Florida state has, is like one of the five most athletic teams in college basketball. It would be really good to see that as a scouting opportunity as, as they are just about every year. Yes. Um, number six, Buffalo against one of Arizona state or St. John's the Arizona state St. John's game is going to be really fun. 
tonight. Yes, like, I agree. I am very excited about that. Like, I think there is going to be just like a lot of really interesting scouting stuff there between Shamori Ponds having to deal with um, Lugan Stort defensively, and then probably Justin Simon on Lugan Stort, like bothering him offensively. And then you've got Marvin Clark against like Zylan Cheatham. Like, there's actually a lot of kind of fun stuff there. Yeah, quite a few good players in that game. Um, I don't know that I have a preference of who gets out of that game for the next round necessarily. Uh, I really like Shamori Pons. I think that he's super interesting. Um, Backup point guard, which is great. Yeah, like sort of fits in the middle of the Trey Young, Tremont Waters spectrum, I guess. A little bit bigger, but... Um, thicker. I don't I know sur- if he's bigger. Yeah, he's like, he's like 6'1". And yeah. Um, perfectly in the middle of 5'11 and 6'3", right? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's an interesting player to me since he can shoot it off the bounce and... Uh, pass it a little bit, generate steals defensively. Uh, probably my, yeah, either him or Lugan Stort's the most interesting prospect in that game. I think Lou Dort is the most interesting prospect. Uh, you are not as high on Lou Dort, though. Yeah, probably not. Uh, the statistical concerns there are real. The shooting concerns there are real. He's also just an incredibly hard worker that I trust to figure it out. Yeah, um, understandable. Number six, they're going to play Buffalo. Buffalo has some dudes. Uh, I will say that Buffalo has two guys that I think have a real shot to play in the NBA. Uh, yeah, that's reasonable. And Buffalo is just like, I mean, even without that, they're just a really, really good college basketball team. Yeah, they're really well coached. They have incredible perimeter defense. Uh, that's led by Devonte Jordan and CJ Massenburg. Um, CJ Massenburg is one of those guys, you know, 40% three point shooter, really, really good defender, six, three off guard. So like, it's very situational in terms of where he could have value. But uh, I would also throw out Jeremy Harris, 6'7", shooter, sort of. He dealt with a bad thumb earlier this year, I believe, and that really tanked his percentages. But he can kind of attack off the dribble a little bit, has some length, a little bit interesting there. Yeah, of note, shot it really well last year uh, and was 8% better from the free throw line last year. So probably a better shooter than he gets credit for this year. Yes. And like you said, that probably gets traced back to the fact that he had a thumb injury. Yeah. Uh, I would be interested to see Buffalo play like all of the teams in this. Oh, yeah. Give me Buffalo versus everybody. Yeah. And and the next team we're going to talk about is Texas Tech. Where do you have Jarrett Culver on your board? Uh, Somewhere in the top six, I think. Yes, I believe that that's about right. I think I have him at six or seven right now. Um, Probably, probably six, I would say realistic yeah um, i think i have him six as well just not not a fantastic athlete not a fantastic shooter but oh. someone that is really really young he has made strides uh basically every summer from the time that he was like a junior in high school at this stage and he's a sophomore now so it's been like a very long four-year growth trajectory process he's like somewhere between six six and six seven i think Really passes the ball well. Solid defender, I would say. Maybe not an elite level defender, but solid level defender. Um, just generally, like I, I think that there is, there's a lot to be excited about there. Yeah, sort of does a little bit of everything pretty well. Uh, I really question the shooting. I'm not super into the form. The numbers aren't great either. Had a high three point percentage last year, and people got excited despite shooting 65 percent from the free throw line. Well, here, here's um, the thing about 
uh, the shot. The shot has very sure. clearly gotten better. The mechanics are very clearly better right now. He's sure. Last year, it was like a slingshot coming from the left side of his face. This year, it's coming up from the middle. It has like a small little pause at the top. I would even hesitate to call it a hitch. It's just like a small yeah. little. There's pause. just like a little something that's off. Yeah. And he made, he's taken great strides uh, to totally sure. revamp the jump shot. I think he will be a shooter at some point. Yeah, I mean, if he's a shooter, he's obviously quite good. Yes. Um, I think he's not, like a starter in the like NBA. Pretty good. Point. Yeah. Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah. Um, uh, Texas Tech doesn't really have anyone else. Like, Tariq Owens is someone I would want to get in a G League situation. Sure. But that's really it. Um, they play Northern Kentucky. Drew McDonald's fine, but not an NBA guy. Um, definitely yeah. a Europe guy. Uh in general, I would want to see Buffalo go up against Texas Tech's defense. Texas Tech has one of the absolute best defenses in college basketball, um, if not the best defense in college basketball. So uh, getting a yeah. chance to see uh, more in the Sweet 16, like one of Nevada, Florida, or Michigan, get a chance yeah. to play them would be great. Um, I, I agree. Nevada has Jordan Caroline, uh, Caleb Martin, Cody Martin. Who is your favorite on that team? Uh probably Caroline, but I'm not super excited about any of them. I would agree. I think Jordan Caroline is like a late second round pick at best. Um, I, I would rather have him than Cody or Caleb Martin. Uh, I would definitely get Jordan Caroline on a two way if I could though, like wouldn't even yeah, think twice about it. That's reasonable. My concern with him is that I think that he's probably a strict power forward and needs to be able to shoot it. And if he doesn't shoot it, it's just the path is pretty hard. Um, Florida doesn't really have anyone prospect wise. Uh, right the Jalen Hudson fall is real. Jalen Hudson fall is real. Uh, Andrew Nemhard will be a prospect. I think uh, maybe yeah. as soon as next year, six foot five point guard who can really, really pass it, but he's not there yet. I agree with that. Maybe mention Noah Locke too. six, four, like shooter 38% can really knock down shots on the move, but you know, nothing, nothing crazy in this game from a prospect perspective. Um, yeah. Michigan, Montana, Michigan has Jordan Poole, Iggy Brazdakis. Um, I mean, like, I don't really think Xavier Simpson's a real NBA prospect. Uh, I don't really think that John Teske is a real NBA prospect. And then Charles Matthews is going to play. It's very unclear how healthy Charles Matthews is right now, though. Right. Um, elite, elite level athlete. Uh, who can really, really defend at a high level. But there's just really not a whole lot there from an offensive perspective. It makes it really difficult to be good in the NBA if you just have absolutely no jump shot. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's 100% right. Um, I I would be interested in watching Nevada and Michigan play in the second round. Like Michigan's great defense can maybe try to get the best out of Nevada's offense. And like, that's, that's at least interesting. Yeah, and vice versa. Like, Nevada's defense has been pretty good this year. Um, Yeah. You know, uh, Jordan Poole is a guy that I am intrigued by. I I would like him to be good. Uh, He's not quite there yet. Uh, He would be like a 2020 first-round pick for me projected right now. I don't – he just needs to, like – I don't know if it's a – is it like a toughness deal? Is it a – Could be. Like, he just – he floats on the perimeter a lot. Yeah, it feels sort of like he's on the cusp of being good, and his flashes when he is good are really, really good. Um, But he's just not consistently there. Yeah, I agree. Um, Are you an Iggy Brazdakis guy? Not terribly. No, he's really bad defensively. Yeah. 
like he can make shots and that's really valuable, but he's not super athletic and he's not great defensively and that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to invest in guys that you know aren't super athletic and aren't really great defensively. But when I am investing, I tend to use Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that allows you to buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free, while other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade. Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as the 100 most popular stocks. Uh, with Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Game Theory a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at GameTheory.Robinhood.com. GameTheory.Robinhood.com. Chris, let's move on to what is easily the worst region, uh, maybe ever assembled for enjoyment in the history of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I might just skip it, to be honest. Like, what game in this region do I want to watch? So we've got Virginia against Gardner-Webb. Like, any time Virginia plays a 16 seed now is going to be fun. (laughs) I really think they might just beat them by, like, 30 just to prove a point. I think there's a chance. It's funny. They definitely (laughs) gave Virginia the toughest 16 again. Yeah. Gardner-Webb is very clearly the best 16. They're athletic. They have the kind of weird stuff that can cause issues for, um, for Virginia athletically. Right. I still don't care. Where do you have DeAndre Hunter on your top 100 right now? Uh, I think he is top seven. Seven. Yeah. Number seven. I got him at number four. Exactly I am, right. I'm all in on DeAndre All Hunter in on the stage. DeAndre Hunter train. Yeah, it's understandable. He fits a role. He does a lot of things really well. Defends on the ball well. Uh, shoots it a bit. Um, I certainly get it from, from that perspective. Maybe he's a better comparison with somebody uh, like we were talking about with the Cam Reddish like star equity thing versus DeAndre Hunter who probably doesn't have a ton of it, but is likely a really good role player. I will just say, like, DeAndre Hunter is one of those guys that has been on a positive growth trajectory basically every year since he was in high school. Um, He has gotten considerably better at something every single year. His body improved from his freshman, redshirt freshman year at Virginia. He improved drastically as a defender uh, last year. This year, he's improved as a shooter, as a ball handler, as an offensive player. Like, he's continued to make these leaps in the way that you like to see guys make leaps. I don't think he's a star at the next level, but, like, there is some percentage chance that he's a star at the next level, I think. Yeah, maybe some, but probably not a super high one. Right, like... Like, like he's probably going to be good. Like, I think Cam Reddish probably has a higher percentage of star power, but... Like, I'm just not ruling it out. That's all I'm saying. I'm not ruling sure. it out. Um, next, let's talk about uh, Ty Jerome. Any any interest in Ty Jerome? I like Ty Jerome quite a bit. Uh, just somebody who can obviously shoot it as well as he can, especially off of the move and coming off screens and stuff like that, is I think somebody who's probably been a little bit underrated in the past from in, in that archetype. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I have some interest. Yeah, like late first, early second round pick for me, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, Kyle Guy, Mamadi Diakite, any of these guys on Virginia? 
I mean, they're both kind of interesting guy for similar reasons to Jerome and that he's a good shooter. Diakite is a really good defender, but probably doesn't bring enough offensively to the table. Jack Salt. Uh, he sets some great screens. <laughs> There's like a, so I call these guys the Fletcher McGee all-stars, uh, guys who <laughs> very much look like their name. Like Fletcher <laughs> McGee is the most Fletcher McGee looking dude you'll ever see in your life. Jack Salt is the most Jack Salt looking guy that you've ever seen like you see jack salt without knowing yeah. jack salt's name you just go oh that guy's name is jack salt for sure like i, I don't, I don't yes. need to know like i know that his name is jack salt i don't need to look it up uh, i agree uh brady manic fits that role too that's a good one now that he looks like budget brady, larry bird yeah I, i'm in on brady manic being in this mix um virginia is gonna i think blow through gardner webb uh, I, I think they're probably going to blow through either of Ole Miss or Oklahoma. I will say, if Mississippi wins that game, they do have the athletic guards to at least like cause problems for Virginia. Sure. I think uh, Brian Tyree, Terrence Davis, Devontae Shuler, the best prospect in Oklahoma, um, Mississippi is definitely Terrence Davis. I think. Uh, I agree. Maybe long term, it's Jamal Bieniemy at Oklahoma if he can take a leap. Uh, is a very very young player but terrence davis is really really good yes he is really good um kind of a fringe prospect probably uh in that he still commits a decent number of turnovers he's not particularly great efficiency wise um but he is really good um no no real other interest in this game i don't think we need to belabor uh that Do you one. remember when people thought Brady Manick was an NBA prospect because Trey Young got him open shots? That was fun. I, I don't remember that, to be honest. I, I didn't really <laughs> realize that that was a thing. Um, oh, yeah, that was a thing, briefly. So, Wisconsin-Oregon is going to be the most unwatchable game of the first round, I think. Um, you forgot about Baylor-Syracuse, but that's okay. Yeah, but like there will at least be some interesting shot-making in that game, like with Ty's battle and... Sure. Um, is you know, like Makai Mason. That's a good question. Does Ty's battle play? I hope. Um, Wisconsin, Oregon is going to be Wisconsin playing like hard man-to-man defense against an Oregon team that struggles to score. And then Oregon playing really, really tough physical zone defense against a Wisconsin team that just doesn't have the athleticism to score against them. Yep. That sounds the under, right. The under in that game can't be low enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's um, true. Are you an Ethan Hap guy? Uh, not terribly. No, the total lack of a jump shot and improvement on it over four years is like not exciting. Plus, I think he's closer to like six seven than six eight, and I just don't think he fits well at the NBA level. I think Ethan Hap's like probably six nine, six nine and a half, maybe. He's big. He did not like six nine when I saw him in person last year. I'll say that. No. Um, I don't think that. Yeah, he has some interest because he can play in short roles, but he's probably not sure. really an NBA player. Um, I are you out on Brad Davison? I am out on Brad Davison entirely. Oh yeah, definitely out. What, didn't he like slide under someone? Really obviously. Yes, like he does yeah, this like out. borderline dirty stuff, and yeah, just like any dude who makes his name off of taking charges. Like yeah. I, I'm out on that as a lifestyle. RIP the joy of of Buzzcut Brad. Yeah, I do not want that. Like that is not something I'm interested in. That is not something that. Like, no, no, fuck that. Yeah. This, this, yeah. no, we're out on that. Um, <laughs> Oregon has Lou King and uh, Kenny Wooten. Anyone yep. there of interest? 
the best thing that I'll say about Luke King is that when I saw him in high school, he played on the same team on EYBL as Cam Reddish, and I thought in that game he was much better than Cam Reddish. Um, but Cam Reddish likes to float sometimes. So yeah, I mean Louis King will at least play hard all the time. Yep. Cam doesn't really do that. Um, my problem with Louis King is he has a one to two uh, assist rate to turnover rate. Yeah, and he's like a thirty-five percent three-point shooter, and honestly, I think that's high. Like, I, I he watches mechanics. I don't think he's that good. Yeah, I think he's also pretty old for this class, and so there's some you know concern there. I think he's already yeah. twenty. He turns twenty yeah. in April, so yeah. Yeah. Um, Kenny Wooten, any thoughts there? He's athletic, blocks some shots, a little bit undersized, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean. He yeah. actually moves his feet well on the perimeter, like True. can finish way above the basket. Not a 2019 prospect, but maybe one day. Sure. Uh, let's let's move on. Uh, Kansas State against UC Irvine. Shout out Kansas State breaking the streak. Yep, yep. Streak is over. RIP the streak. Now I don't have to hear about it every year. Very excited. Uh, Barry Brown. So Dean Wade, it looks like, is out for the first week. I think that's correct, yes. Um, Looks, I think that Bruce Weber said maybe the NCAA tournament, but let's just start by saying the opening weekend. Um, Barry Brown is fine. Fine, like he's yes. a good defender, good driver, probably a guy that spends some time in the G League and then maybe gets a quick sniff of the NBA. Yeah, you mentioned Jordan Murphy as somebody like Biggs would probably not want to work out against. I would suggest that Barry Brown is perhaps that for uh, guards. Yeah, NBA. Because he will hound them defensively. So like, I do know that a couple of NBA agents listen to this. If you are an NBA agent listening to this and you end up with a client that is uh, potentially supposed to be in a workout with Barry Brown, make sure that that client calls in sick that day because <laughs> that is just not going to end well. Straight up. Yeah. That will be bad. Um, are you a Xavier Sneed guy? Not terribly. Like he's somewhat interesting because he shoots it okay and has some size, but like I'm not going out of my way to cape for Xavier Sneed, no. No, I'm with you there. Uh, good defender. Really, really good defender, but yeah. I don't know what he does offensively. Um, next, uh, UC Irvine here. No one really with Irvine that is particularly interesting. In this pod, I mean, like, this is, I think this has a real chance to be a 12-13 second round game. Oh, yeah. It definitely could be. Um, like, UC Irvine is genuinely a great basketball team. They just don't have prospects, like for the purpose right, of this right. uh, podcast. Like Russ Turner, to me, is one of the absolute best coaches in college basketball that nobody knows. Forty point six percent two point percentage against defensively, and they hold teams to thirty three percent of their three point field goal attempts uh, percentage uh, against. So, like, they don't allow many threes. And when teams get into the lane, they don't allow a high percentage of twos to be made. It's unbelievably impressive. Yeah, that's another game where you can just smash the under, probably. Yeah, I bet on Irvine uh, the minute that line came out. Like, literally, I was refreshing my monitor once I saw online that, like, it was opening at, I think, six and a half or something. I was like, please, please, please. And I got it at six before it dropped. I swear to God, I think that line's going to get down to, like, three. Yeah, especially with no Dean Wade now. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. now that Dean Wade is um, like expected to be out, so I'm just gonna look to see what it is um, right now. Can can you guys hear my cat in the background? By the way, just like yes. losing its mind. Uh, <laughs> so it's that's the foster cat. So I, I've told uh, I've gone on the college basketball talk uh, podcast and talked about this. Um, 
so that that's our foster cat. Uh, by the way, if you're interested in a foster cat, uh, he's <laughs> genuinely, I, I mean this in all ways, like he is the nicest cat in the world. Like he is so sweet. We're not going to keep him just because we wanted to give him a break from the uh, foster shelter. But like he is the nicest cat in the world. And if you live in the Los Angeles area and are looking for a cat, uh, you will not do better than this cat. He's just a little bit loud. Just a little bit loud right now. <laughs> um, so let's move on. Let's talk about uh, this next little 3-6 group here. Villanova St. Mary's is a game I'm excited to watch. I've already bet on St. Mary's uh, for what it's <laughs> worth. Um, are you an Eric Paschal guy? No, not really. Like, I kind of get it that he can defend a little bit in multiple positions, shoots a little bit better than he should for his position and seems to be a sufficient athlete for the NBA. But like, again, like just one of those guys who's going to be competing for a spot that only has a small number of spots. And that's really difficult. Yeah. So I think he's going to go in the first round. I sure. Um, he's a guy that every time he's gone to like these summer camps and like workouts is absolutely, uh, really, really impressed NBA executives. I think that once he gets into workouts, teams are going to see, Oh, Hey, this guy is a fucking outrageous athlete and he can knock down shots from the perimeter and do a lot of different stuff. Yeah, I definitely get it. Um, yeah. and the reasons to be excited, it's just, man, it's such a hard position to, so, to battle at. So do you think he's a four or do you think he's a five? Uh, man, I think he's like probably going to be best as a five. You think he can play the four though? I do. So there, I think that he's the kind of guy you're going to want to throw against like LeBron, Giannis, like all okay. these like big oversized, like powerful physical um, ball handlers, like Ben Simmons, like these guys. And that's a really underrated guy to have in the NBA right now. It's kind of like how Marcus Morris has Marcus Morris is going to play in the NBA until he's like 34 or something right. in large part because he can match up physically with those dudes. It's rare to find someone that is six foot eight, six foot seven in Pascal's case, let's say 250 pounds and has actual like explosiveness and power. Uh, that, that actually like is a super interesting thing to get. Yeah, that's reasonable. That makes him a little bit more interesting when you put it that way, I think. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Phil Booth? Come on. Come on. Get, Phil Booth's interesting. Phil Booth guy. Like, he, can get, he can get buckets uh, and get to his spots pretty well. He I'm competes a, hard. I'm a Phil Booth guy. He's like a backup off guard. Okay. Yeah, I don't hate it. I'm okay Knocks with down threes at a high level. He's a gamer. Uh, really defends at a high level. Uh, passes the ball at a pretty high level. Uh, for a guy that's going to play as like a secondary ball handler. If like, if I was Philadelphia, I would be working my ass off to get Phil Booth in either as a late second round pick or as a two way guy. Yeah, that makes some sense. I, I like that idea. Um, St. Mary's come on. Tell me you're a Jordan Ford guy. <laughs> I don't know that I'm super excited about anybody on their team from an NBA perspective. Um, so there's like some interest there. Uh, so Jordan Ford is a 43% three point shooter, 80% foul shooter who can get to his pull up jumper at just about any time. Uh, and this is like, this has been good going back to last year when he's a 44% three point shooter, uh, 61 right. true shooting percentage guy. He is just a very legit, I think, creator with the ball in his hands. And I would sure. also bring up Malik Fitz is like a sort of interesting guy, six, eight, 235 pounds, you know, tough physical can shoot a little bit from distance. Uh, maybe, maybe uh, after his junior year next year is a little bit more interesting. Yeah, that's definitely reasonable for him. I think 
certainly someone who fills up the stat sheet and does a lot of different things well, which is good. Yeah, if this gets to plus 200, I will be taking St. Mary's money line. It's at like 175 right now. Um, Purdue against Old Dominion. Old Dominion has a couple of guards and Ahmad Cover and BJ Stith that I think are really good. Uh, probably not NBA players, but probably Portsmouth guys. Obviously, Purdue has Carson Edwards and not really a whole lot else. Is there anything interesting there to you? Not terribly. I'm not a big Carson Edwards fan. I agree with you. Also not a big Carson Edwards guy after this season. Uh, didn't really take the leap that we were hoping as a distributor. Uh, was a mess in terms of just his efficiency <laughs> in Big Ten play. Uh, I like the athleticism. I like the fact that he runs hard and plays hard pretty much the entire game. But I, I'm just not there. Um Honestly, I think we can move on to the next matchup, which is Cincinnati, yeah. Iowa, which means I think we can move on to the next matchup. <laughs> I was, um, was going to say, we may have undersold the worst first round game by forgetting Cincinnati and Iowa play. <laughs> yeah, the, I've been saying this like on every podcast I've done, but like I am more excited to see which one of Fran McCaffrey or Mick Cronin just tries yeah. to take off his skates and stab the other one. Right. Like Happy Gilmore style, like that. That's what I want. More. Right. I, I don't care. I want coaches' cams more than I want to watch this game. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there are no real prospects in this game. Jerron Cumberland's fine. Uh, sure, maybe a shooter. Uh, he needs to be able to consistently knock down threes, though. He's thirty nine percent on two hundred attempts this season, so that was a good sign. But definitely a bully ball kind of guy. Um, Iowa. I don't think Tyler Cook is like good. Um, Luca Garza can't defend in space. Joe Wieskamp, actually, I am going to bring up Joe Wieskamp. Joe Joe Wieskamp, I think, is an interesting like 2020 or 2021 prospect. Sure. 6'6", not a whole lot of length, but can really shoot it. He competes defensively. He's a good athlete. I'm I'm here for the Wieskamp hive. Go for it. I'm sorry we got stuck on Iowa-Cincinnati, everybody. Yeah. Tennessee uh, against Colgate. Are you so? Let's let's talk about Grant Williams because Grant Williams is one of the sure. more divisive prospects this year. Are you a Grant Williams guy? I am a Grant Williams guy. So explain to me why you're a Grant Williams guy. Uh, I think he's a really good defender, has good length, really smart basketball player, block shots despite not having the most size, and perhaps the thing that like kind of swings me the most is that I think that there's a good chance that he ends up shooting it okay. So I agree that he's going to end up shooting it okay. Like I just said earlier with Eric Paschal, I think there is a lot of value in the way that a player who is like 240 pounds, six foot seven, long arms, everything like that. I think there's yeah. a lot of value in getting that kind of player right now. I am a little bit worried about the jumper, but I think I agree with you that he'll shoot it at some point. I just don't think he has like the athleticism to be anything more than like a sixth man best, you know? Um. Maybe. I think that there's a reasonable chance that he's like a lower-end starter uh, who doesn't take up a lot of offensive possessions or anything like that. And when he does, he can pass it a little bit and do you know some unique things there. I like the fact that he can pass it. That's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, tough finisher inside, tough floater game. There's a lot of value there. Um, Admiral Schofield, I think Grant Williams is a better defender than Schofield. I agree. Which is I like kind Grant of Williams a, more than Schofield. Uh, I think they're pretty close as prospects. Um, Schofield, I think, fits better from like the traditional 3 and D archetype because he can actually shoot it, I think, whereas Grant Williams, that's the big question is, will he shoot it? Sure. Um, Schofield is slightly worse defensively. Like if you watch the game against P.J. Washington, that was that was not great. That was not great for Admiral. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but he's Jordan, interesting and pretty Are you a Jordan Bone guy? I keep getting asked about Jordan Bone. No, not really. 
Yeah, like not a guy that uh, definitely a guy. I'll say this: like a guy that has interest for next year. Like I will have him on my top one hundred going into next year's draft. Sure, he is right now an eighty-two percent foul shooter. He does finish inside reasonably well. He's at thirty-five percent from three. Six-three can actually pass the ball a little bit. He's just not consistent enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe we should be a little bit higher on him than we're we're letting on here, but. Just not someone to get super excited over, I think. Yeah, I'm with that. Um, Colgate, uh, are you a, a Rapalis Ivanowskis guy? No. Okay, <laughs> then we'll move on. Uh, North Carolina against Iona uh, in this game. Did you, did you see the clip of Mike Francesa just like having Tim Kloos from Iona on his show and be like, well, no. you guys are going to get your fucking ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> it was like amazing. No. He, he just no. went... He just went like, well, uh, you know, North Carolina, they basically do what you want to do. They want to get up and down the floor. They want to, you know, uh, get out in the secondary break. They're just way better than you. Like, this was well, the worst possible matchup for you. How I do you feel? Told, I have been told this is the region of pace, so I am excited. Yeah, they will play fast. This, these two teams will play fast. Let's talk about North Carolina. Have you jumped fully on board with the Kobe White Hive like I have? Uh, I don't know that I'm fully on board, but I do like Kobe White quite a bit. The like, pull-up jumper is real, and like that's super valuable. Kobe White or Cam Reddish? Ooh. See, like, I think that was a great E40 sound effect, by the way. I don't know. Probably Cam Reddish right now, but like you could persuade me, I guess. Yeah, Kobe White is really interesting. He's really, really interesting. He is one of the guys where I think you could look at it and go, oh, this is one of the guys that like you could say, hey, I'm going to take him over Cam Reddish. Yeah, I wish he didn't turn the ball over as much as he does, and I wish there was a little bit more there defensively. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he's a disaster defender, but I don't think he's great there. Um, yeah. Are you a Cam Johnson guy like I am? I am a Cam Johnson guy. I really like Cam Johnson. I think he's uh, very clearly a top 30 player in this class. Yeah, that's totally reasonable. Somebody who just like is a knockdown shooter has variety to his jump shot in ways that other guys don't. Like, gonna fit in and play a really nice role. I think. Are you a Luke May guy? No, not really. <laughs> like, he's fine, but not really. Shout out Luke May, who will be playing frightened inmate number two uh, <laughs> in uh, some sort of acting production in the near future. Um, I don't know. You want to move on from North Carolina? Is there anyone else to talk about? I mean, I still believe in Nasir Little probably a little more than everybody else does. But other than that, like, and like, let's. <laughs> where would you take Nasir Little? I don't know. Like, I'd probably still take him in the lottery and just be really unexcited about it. <laughs> I know. I know. What are What are your concerns about Nasir? Let's start there. Uh, the feel is not great. I think that there's a lot of questions about where he fits defensively. I think that he struggled to score at a rate that we probably thought he could score at, especially against college level players. Uh, and that's a worry given that, you know, that should be a strength of his given his frame. The jumper this year has been a little bit strange oh, yeah. to me. I expected also, it the to jumper be better. Is bad. I expected it to be better. Just kind yeah. of given what what we thought that he had a chance to be like, we thought he yeah. had a chance to be like an actual shooter who could get to his pull-up game. And he just hasn't even been remotely that. I agree. Um, I still have him as a top 20 guy. Uh, sure. That says more about this draft than Nasir little though. I think that's correct. Um, in their pod, they have Utah state and Washington, Utah state. Are you anemius Kata guy? He's interesting. Uh, I don't know that I'm super on the bandwagon, but any, 
anybody who blocks shots as well as he does is, is certainly interesting, especially at uh, his age. I will say uh, Sports Illustrated just put him in their 2019 first round. Hmm. I mean, sure. I guess, I, like, maybe. I will say I have yet to talk to an NBA executive that is excited to that extent about Nemius Keda. Um, yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah, like, I really like Nemius Keda. I've been talking about him basically since, like, honestly, November. <laughs> um, yeah. He is really really interesting from a prospect perspective uh really really good rim protector like one of the five best rim protectors in all of college basketball i think uh really really good defensive rebounder this year utah state has the fourth best two-point percentage against and the fifth best defensive rebounding rate a lot of that is nimi like a lot of that is nimi kata um just no offensive game yet there's just nothing there like, it's really hard to get excited about that. Sam Merrill, uh, shooter on the move. Uh, he wrecked Lou Dort earlier this year, and Lou Dort is a really good defender. Go back and watch Utah State and watch Sam Merrill just run off of screens and make Lou Dort look silly. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, probably not a real prospect, but, like, maybe in 2020. Um, he's not 6'5", what he's listed at either. Um, Matisse Thibel. The Matisse Thibel uh, conversation is one of the funniest things I think I have seen because I've never seen a defensive player get this much attention in oh, my man. life. In now my life. Steel on, now that steel and black rates matter. Whoo. Yeah. I'm bored. Like I love Matisse Thibel. I think he is such a fun prospect. Uh, he's a great like dude. Like I, I've never heard anyone say a bad word about him as a human being. <sighs> Like, you go back and watch the tape from his sophomore season when they played man-to-man. It was, like, not fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, that's a reasonable concern. He was the best man-to-man defender on that team that was very clearly the worst high major defensive team in the country that year. Right. He was, like, not great on that end either. Yeah, that's a fair concern to have. Um you obviously hope that over the last two years he's improved. Uh, certainly, it seems from like a feel and instinct perspective, he's there. Um, size and length too. Uh, and I think you know it wouldn't surprise me if he's somebody who just like shoots it really well during workouts, and that causes him to move up draft boards because yeah. that three and D fit is is really good. And he's more skilled offensively than what I think he shows. Uh, he, yeah, he can attack closeouts. He can actually knock down shots. Uh, he hasn't done that like to a terrific extent this year but i think he can shoot it uh big hands like can actually go up and really rise up and dunk off of cuts and in transition there's a there's a lot there i think i think he's actually like a pretty good prospect are you a jalen noel guy uh i mean he's interesting but probably more for next year than this year i agree with you i think he is a lot more interesting than what he gets credit for though like i, I do have him yeah. as a legit top 100 prospect right now and i don't feel like many other people do yeah that's fair i think if i probably ranked down that far he would be somewhere in that range yeah like i honestly think he might be like a top like 70 prospect the more i watch <laughs> him he's really really good at getting to his shot and he's knocking yeah. down threes now like he's yeah. actually hitting threes that is very much the piece that's most exciting about him for sure yeah um either of these these two teams playing north carolina which one interests you more probably washington right uh yeah probably washington just because i think that their zone creates some interesting matchups but man do i hate admitting that i would rather watch his own defense washington this season shout out washington for some bid collusion uh and, and some seed collusion on uh last sunday or last yeah. saturday i guess it was uh losing that game to oregon do you know what it did for washington nothing right or moved it, them up it gave them their first win over an ncaa tournament team 
because they had beaten Oregon earlier in the year. That is the only NCAA tournament team they had beaten this year. (laughs) Shout out to Pac-12. Pac-12 is a disaster. It is so bad. So bad. Um, Auburn and New Mexico State. Chuma Okike is probably Auburn's most interesting guy. Um, I am like, like some people are like throwing him like in the first round conversations and like NBA people I talked to like have said like, oh yeah, like he might be like a late first round pick this year if he would decide to declare. I yeah, am, I have like early second. Not like I'm like not quite there with that. Why? Why are you? Uh, why are you a Chuma Okike guy? Uh, positional size, sort of. He's not as big as Pascal or Grant Williams, but he is bigger for that position. Weighs two thirty right now. Uh, checks the steel and black rate boxes in ways that you would like, and has been an improved shooter this year. But like they have him match up. Like he's. It's kind of like we'll talk about Taylor Horton Tucker like later sure. on, and it's kind of similar to that for me where like people talk about Okike is this like awesome multi-positional defender who can do a lot of different stuff. I think he's just kind of a big defender right now. I don't think he's actually like a great defender. Uh, yeah, that's reasonable, I suppose. Um, but like, even if all he does at his best is bring you a lot of help defense, if he's creating defensive events, that's still pretty valuable. It's valuable to an extent. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, he does have great steal rate, great block rate. Um, like, he does have, like, he knows how to use his length. He knows how to get into passing lanes. He's, like, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not, like, shooting yeah. on Chuma Okike. Like, I have him as a top 60 prospect. Uh, but, like, I don't, like, like I said, like, it's more like the late first round talk where I'm like, sure. Like, he's just limited. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think he's more like an early second guy for me than a, a late first. Yeah, like 38% from three this year. Obviously a good like spacer out to the corners specifically. Um, yeah. yeah, he's fine. Uh, anyone else here? No, not really. No, modern, not really. Right? No. Uh, New Mexico State also, I would say, doesn't really have anyone. New Mexico State's a good basketball team, but it's mostly because Chris Jans is a really good coach. Like Really, really good really coach, good. yeah. Um, Chris, I'm sorry that we have to do this. We can just skip Kansas. They're terrible. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the floor. I'm just gonna allow you to discuss Kansas right now. I mean, they're all bad. Like I don't know what else, like Kansas is bad and not fun to watch play basketball. So uh, I don't really know what there's to say. And like none of their players are exactly good NBA prospects. Devon Dotson's somewhat interesting. I think that Devon Dotson can yeah. shoot it and should be way more willing to shoot it. I agree with you that I think Devon Dotson is the most interesting prospect on Kansas. Yeah. Um, Diedrich Lawson has a fun statistical year. Yeah. He still has a negative assist to turnover rate. Um, it has no athletic explosiveness. Like uh, he's a really negative. good, he's a really good tough shot maker, but there's just yeah. not enough there like to get if, any sort of separation. If people don't think Zion gets lift on his jump shot, they should watch Diedrich Lawson shoot. Yeah, it's not great. It's absolutely not great. Um, Quentin Grimes? <laughs> yeah, man, he exists. I'll tell you that Kansas fans are really hoping for that Malik Newman breakout. That's not coming, folks. Um, I, I want. Do you think Quentin Grimes should go back to Kansas? Because this is something uh, that I brought up uh, and got a lot of got a lot of uh, folks in Kansas, including the coaching staff, apparently, <laughs> not very happy with me. Um, 
I I go back and forth on it. Like, I think it just depends on what Quentin Grimes wants his career to be. Yeah. But, like, where do you fall on this? Like, you've watched, like, I've, I've watched probably, like, 12 to 14 Kansas games this year. You, you've probably watched, like, all of them, I would imagine, or most of them, right? <laughs> Far less than in the past, if we're being honest. Um, <laughs> but still more than I have. <laughs> yes, but probably still more than you. Um, I don't think that Quentin Grimes gets a lot of value out of transferring. I, like, he would add a year to his time frame. I'm not sure that it's going to, like, develop him significantly more to, to do that. Uh, I think it's let me throw this at you though. So like Tate Martell just got a waiver in football. Like everyone is getting waivers to transfer. Oh, like like, do I think he could get a waiver? Yeah, Uh, like let's maybe. Well, I'm not saying like evaluate. Oh, like if he could. I'm saying if he could get a waiver because like everyone is getting waivers right now to be able to transfer. Um, I don't know. I'm still not sure that that serves his purposes very well. Like I, I think that if you're him, you're sort of hoping you're on that Wayne Selden trajectory at this point. So I think that's right, but like Quentin Grimes also like came in hoping to, it seemed like be a lead guard, right? Yeah, I certainly think he expected to have the ball a little bit more than he does. And I will say this for Grimes. I think he's like an actually good passer. I think he's a good passer. I just think he doesn't really get the, uh, doesn't really have the handle to like break down the defense and get into the lane. and And he's not nearly athletic enough. Yeah, like I, exp- I thought he was more athletic than he is. Like I knew he wasn't I like an so elite too. athlete, but he is like I, I can't tell if the lack of handle like kind of holds back the explosiveness or what it is because he's not yeah. a great athlete. I agree. I agree. So I'm not uh, really sure what to do with Quentin Grimes. I think he should definitely return to college. Yeah. If he can get a transfer to go somewhere like immediately and can get a waiver, I th- like I think I probably would. Because I just would want to have the ball in my hands more than what he will. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I get it from that perspective. I'm just not sure that that does enough for him that Yeah, I think it's worth leaving, like, probably a better coaching situation. Assuming Bill's back. Shout out the Chicago Bulls rumor. Yeah, shout out the Bulls rumor, (laughs) which he has already denied. uh, But Categorically. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, the rest of Kansas is bad. Anytime you can get the guy who has... uh, been played by Matthew McConaughey in a movie about gambling <laughs> to create a Chicago Bulls rumor about Bill Self. You gotta, you gotta just roll yeah, with it. Just go for it. Go for it. Um, no, nothing on uh, Ogbai. Uchai Ogbaji. Yeah, he's not yeah. an NBA player. People should stop. I mean, maybe <laughs> it's in like two years, but please just stop. Yell at Bill like, Self. Bill Self started this. Like he's the one who brought this up. I get it, but like. Man, he commits three times as many turnovers as assists. Like, his feel is horrific, and he's not a good shooter. So, like, what are we doing here? Is Marcus Garrett I, a better prospect? I get than, that Oshai uh, is the only player in Kansas who can dunk, but, like, come on. Is Marcus Garrett a better prospect than Oshai Agbaji? <sighs> um, no, probably not, but, like... Marcus Garrett at least really good. defends? <laughs> Marcus Garrett does defend. He's a really, really good defender. Like, like he is an elite-level defender. Yeah. If Marcus Garrett could do anything on offense, he would be interesting. Yeah. But um, he he can't. He literally cannot do anything on offense. Okay, let, let's stop making Chris sad. Um, <laughs> uh, I, so, I, I yeah, I've already bet on Northeastern Moneyline in this game. Um, yeah. Vasa Pushika. Yeah, he's going to get buckets. So like, they play they play four guards. They shoot a ton of threes. Those are the kind of games that have give Kansas problems this year. Yes. 
Um, Kansas's real hope is that Devon Dotson or Grimes, who's like actually okay defensively, or Garrett, uh, can handle taking Pusika out of the game. I uh, I don't know how much faith I have in that. To be yeah, honest. that's reasonable. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll sure. Uh, it's very possible that like Kansas wins this game just because, uh, you know, there is variance in three point shooting. But right, like this is the kind of team that gives Kansas problem. Yes, I agree. Uh, another potential twelve thirteen game, like very real potential twelve thirteen. Yeah, game yeah, game. it's in play. Iowa State. Yep. Fascinating mix of prospects. Where are you at on Taylor Horton Tucker? Because NBA executives that I talk to continue to be very in on him, and I am not there. Uh, I think that he has flashes where he looks elite, and when you combine that with the fact that he's one of the youngest prospects in the class, that creates a lot of leeway for him. But I'm not sure that the package comes together as well as the highlights do. Uh, And so uh, I'm probably somewhere in the middle on him uh, relative to NBA folks in your opinion. So 49% true shooting percentage, 31% uh, from three, 62% from the foul line. Doesn't really finish all that well inside. And the big thing is, like, everyone talks about him as this multi-positional defender. And, like, he's not good defensively. Like, he, he is not good defensively. We, we should just say that. But have you considered that he has a 7-1 wingspan? Like, I, I get it. I, <laughs> I understand why people are enthused by this. But, yeah. like, he's not good defensively. Like, and that is, that is the whole appeal of him, is being well, good that, defensively. Well, the fact that he's, like, 18 and change. Right. right. But like the whole appeal of him is that he can be a role player that can defend and play on both ends of the floor. Sure. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, like, I, I get that you're out. I'm, I'm not super in just to be clear. Like I've, um, I have him as like a top 60 prospect, like, cause the age is interesting. The ball skills are interesting. Um, right. Like he rebounds the basketball. He can pass the ball a little bit. He can handle the ball like at a high level. Yes. I, I just like, th- there's nothing. It's, it's the finish, the finishing, the shooting in the defense like that that's how you become an nba player now as a role player <laughs> these are the things that fit yeah yeah and like none of that's there yet i agree I um agree. tyrese halliburton is my now favorite we're prospect on iowa pro- state now we're talking real prospects uh why so i, I don't think he should leave i will say that sure I think he's a lot more limited than what like stats only scouting will give you. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, look, the jump shot is a six foot five version of almost Jaron Jackson Jr.'s jump shot. Uh, and the yes. free throw percentage is mediocre and I'm not entirely sure that he's actually going to be able to shoot it, but the basketball I, I think IQ you can field, shoot it on the catch. I will say that. Sure. It's just like painfully slow. Right. Um, uh, but the basketball IQ stuff is really high, uh, as reflected by a good assist turnover ratio, good block rate, good steal rates, um, can score efficiently inside as an effective cutter, uh, and, and can, you know, find ways to contribute offensively. Um, but really just someone who's exciting from an age plus statistical profile perspective where you think like this guy has all of the markers that have previously been suggested as things that will uh, cause growth in the future. And that's why you should be excited about him. Yes. And like, I am excited about him. Look, I have him as a top 50 prospect right now. I just also know that there are people out there that have him as like a top 30 prospect. And I think Uh, you're one of them. Yeah, I would have him at the back end of the top, back end of the top 20, probably 28. See, see, like I would want to wait to see how his body develops and I would want to wait to see how his handle develops because he's a lot less interesting if he's an off guard. That's fair. Um, 
but probably somebody that I'm more interested in taking a risk on, I guess, is a high upside play than some of the other sure. guys. I think that's yeah. totally reasonable, too. Like, yeah. I think there's a real chance he's next year's Jarrett Culver. Sure. That's reasonable. Uh, one guy that I like more than most people is Nick Weiler-Babb. I think Nick Weiler-Babb plays in the NBA. I've been on the Nick Weiler-Babb train since last year. Like, he yeah. just does everything, does it pretty well, isn't getting as much time on the ball this year as he did last year, but, like, yep. is a competent playmaker. But, like, um, I, I like that fact. Like, I like the fact yeah. that they have moved him off the ball and shown that he can have the same impact on the game by playing off the ball. Yeah. No, I like Nick Weiler-Babb a lot. I wish yeah. he wasn't 23 years old, but... I think he is genuinely, by the time like kids end up returning to school, going to be a top 60 prospect. Dang. Yeah, that might be a little higher than I am, but you know, I, I would certainly consider him top 75 for sure. Yeah, it's going to be like it's going to be close. He might end up yeah. like just on the outside of that, but like it's going to be really close. Yeah. Because I think I have him at like 82 or something right now, like in that range. Um, Mary Al Shayok. Sure. My, my favorite thing about the Big 12 this year is that the conference's leading scorer was a Virginia transfer. So Yeah, who like barely started <laughs> at Virginia. <laughs> right. Um, and Shayok's uh, gotten better. Like he really shoots it now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I say that as a joke. Like, he has clearly gotten a lot better as a basketball yeah. player. And he has the length still. It's funny. There's a tweet from me in, like, 2015 that says, like, you know, Mary L. Shayok is a guy that, like, long-term <laughs> I would bet on to be an NBA player. And, like, yeah. it has gone well, like, to yeah. an extent. But there's just a lot missing there. Sure. I, I agree. Um, somebody who might get a shot, but not somebody I'm super excited about. Yeah, and I've like I accidentally I don't want to say accidentally I kind of did it consciously, but I dropped Lindell Wigginton off of my top 100. I probably should not have done that. I do think he's a top 100 prospect. That's fair. Yeah, he's probably a top 100 prospect, but somebody who has really come down over the course of the season. What do you think it says about Iowa State as a team that they have five top 100 prospects on their team and are 23 and 11 and lost? I want to say six of their final eight regular season games. Uh, well, most of those prospects are bad at defense, so it probably says that. That's good. That's a good point. We'll blame the defense. Yeah. We'll blame the defense yeah. for sure. Um, do we have to talk about Ohio State? Uh, I mean, you can if you want to, but you're welcome to skip your alma mater. <laughs> I think I will pass. Um, this was... <laughs> This was always a growth year for Ohio State. Like the fact that they're the fact that they're in the NCAA tournament when their best player is Caleb Wesson. Like, just give Chris Holtman coach of the year now. Yeah, Chris Holtman is great. That Chris is Holtman our, is so good. That's our Ohio State take. Chris Holtman is wonderful. Like Chris Holtman so Chris Holtman has like a twenty million dollar buyout or something like that. Like it is <laughs> an astronomical number from uh, I think I don't know if he signed an extension after last year or if it was just like the seven year contract that he signed originally. Um, it's like a twenty million dollar buyout. If it wasn't, I would say UCLA should hire him. Just like Ooh. straight up, yeah. Like, he is an unbelievable basketball coach. An unbelievable really, really basketball good. coach. Um, they have no prospects though. <laughs> like no. I think Luther Muhammad is maybe their most interesting long term, and he's not a great prospect. Uh, yes. Houston, Houston, Georgia State has a matchup that I'm looking forward to but I don't know that I would call it like a sexy matchup. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I enjoy watching DeMarcus Simons play. Yeah, DeMarcus Simons is like a fun, weird basketball player. He had that stretch last year in the tournament too where he just went insane versus Cincinnati. It was hilarious. So I bet on his over point total. Um, it was like mm. it was 15 and a half, I think, against Cincinnati. 
and he dropped 16 in the first 10 minutes. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is a win. Yeah, he didn't score again, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. He oh, definitely okay. he had that insane 10 minutes, and then it was like, okay, well, we're done here. Yeah. Um, who is Houston's best NBA prospects? I feel like there are a few different names you could throw out. I don't know. Um, hmm. I mean, Corey Davis is interesting because he can get and make his own shots. Uh, I think so it's Corey him. Davis. I think I would yeah. agree with you. And the reason I would say it is defensively, that dude is a motherfucker on defense. Yeah, like, that's he fair. Is, he is awesome on defense. Galen Robinson is like sort of kind of interesting to me. Um, yeah. Nate Hinton is long-term sort of kind of interesting to me because he's 6'6 and can shoot it. He's already, uh, you know, he's still 19. I was going to say, I think he might be a little bit older for a freshman, but, you know, still 19 years old. Uh, rebounds the basketball shoots it a little bit like there's at least something there sure uh i've heard a couple people bring up dijon Giroux. I, I can't really get behind that right now to be honest but yeah i don't know like sure it is <laughs> it is not hard to see why steel plus block rate plus three point percentage and that's why people are excited like he's a but crazy he's a, athlete but he's also a career 66 percent free throw shooter and so he's probably not actually a good shooter which means he's not a very interesting prospect yeah he's taken 31 threes this year yeah like yeah um, sorry folks demarcus simons though great athlete like power athlete can get into the yes. game just not much else there i don't think. never really figured out the shooting piece yeah, or yeah. like the efficiency part. Um, sure. Wofford Seton Hall has one of the most fun, like you know, shooter player matchups because it's uh, Miles Powell against Fletcher McGee. Yeah. Are you a uh, Miles Powell or Fletcher McGee guy? I mean, I'm a Fletcher McGee fan. How can you not be? Yeah, I think Miles Powell is actually better at basketball than he is, though. Yeah, but what about Fletcher McGee shooting? He will literally <laughs> yeah. shoot. So for like people who haven't watched Wofford yet this season. <laughs> He'll shoot Fletcher, everything. Fletcher McGee will come off of a screen, genuinely have his feet still pointed toward the sideline. Yeah. Catch the ball, raise up, readjust in midair, and shoot. And, like, sometimes make them. He's a career 43% three-point shooter on a 1,000 attempts. Like, there's just no question he's a great shooter, and he can do it off of movement. Like, would it surprise you if he gets a shot to play in the NBA? Probably. Oh, I think think he's definitely going to get a shot to play in the NBA. Like, there's zero zero question. Like, he will get a shot to play in the NBA. At least I think he should. I also just think Miles Powell is better than he is. That's fine. Why? Sam hates fun, everybody. Like, <laughs> like they're <laughs> so like they're both shooters. Like they both shoot a ton off of movement. Uh, Miles yeah, true. is a better pull up shooter. He can actually create his own shot. Um, he's way more athletic. Like Miles Powell, yes. by the way, came into college at like two hundred and forty pounds or something, and like <laughs> is actually athletic now, and like has worked his ass off on his game to get there. I will bet on. I don't know that I'll bet on him being an NBA player. I don't know that either of those guys are NBA players, but like I am happy with Miles Powell. Sure. Last game here, Chris. Kentucky against Abilene Christian. Oh, yeah. That's the stuff? That's the stuff. I'm really just trying to watch Fletcher McGee shoot all over Kentucky, if we're being honest. How many uh, Abilene Christian games have you watched this year? Folks, that's going to be a hard zero. I unfortunately have watched multiple. Good good life choices you've made. (laughs) If that doesn't show you the level of degeneracy in my gambling... Uh, oh, Sam is committed. <laughs> I am committed at this stage. I, I am I am in. Um, so Abilene Christian can shoot the ball. Like, they 
actually can shoot the ball. Um, yep. I don't think it's going to matter. Kentucky is no. going to roll over these dudes. Um, yes. Are you a PJ Washington guy? PJ Washington is, is totally fine. Um, I wish I could buy into the jump shot a bit more and then I would be a lot more interested in him. Um, but you know, he's like pretty good, but I do think not he can someone shoot. I'm I will eager. Say that. I you do think, think so? He can shoot. Yeah. I'm a little skeptical. Um, the defense is more what worries me. Uh, I don't okay. know if he's like actually laterally quick enough to defend on the perimeter. I do think he's like Patrick Patterson basically though, which is like a valuable NBA player. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he can shoot it as well as Pat Pat can. So I'll, I'll be a little more skeptical than you, I think. Keldon Johnson. I like Keldon Johnson a lot, but that's mostly just like as a person and basketball competitor, he's a fine NBA prospect, probably someone who will go in the lottery still shoots it reasonably well. Just like not really there athletically though. Yeah. especially in traffic. Maybe the spacing yeah. of the NBA helps him a lot. I think it will. Um, I like, I love the fact that he's a competitor. I do yeah. worry that he gets beat a little bit more off the dribble than what you would hope defensively. Yeah. Cause he's um, not a good athlete. So <laughs> yeah. Tyler hero. We've emphasized, I think enough, the, the value of shooting off of movement and Tyler Hero is really good at it. Like he's someone who will probably climb up draft boards should he choose to leave. And if he comes back, he's going to be really, really good. Yeah, he's a guy that uh, 94% from the foul line, 37% from three. I believe he is going to go in the first round this year. I think he's yeah. just going to go in the first round. Um, Ashton Hagens. He's fine. Uh, not really someone I'm super interested in offensively, though, and has a 27% turnover rate, which is a huge problem yeah. uh, for someone who wants to be a point guard. Doesn't really make advanced pick and roll reads. I think he's like... I think he is a good defender. Like, I don't want to say that sure. he's a bad defender. I do genuinely believe he's a good defender. I think that, like, the steals and the, like, ability to just, like, take the ball from the opposition, which is incredibly valuable, also, like, somewhat overrates him because he does get yeah. gambling a little bit more than you'd think. That's reasonable. Um, I mean, like... Seton Hall beat this team earlier this year. Wofford watching. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. With, yeah, like watching Wofford have to deal with Kentucky would be fun. But yeah, I think Kentucky's just going to kind of blow through. Most likely that's what happens in this region. So I just want to read you a quick, uh, quick little thing from Richard Johnson's FCC complaints about the Super Bowl uh, article that he wrote on SB Nation. This is coming from my neck of the woods, Thousand Oaks, you know, like a good 45 minutes to an hour okay. from where I live. This year's Super Bowl halftime show featured a shirtless, heavily tattooed man, Adam Levine of Maroon 5, that my entire family and friends found very indecent and unnecessary to watch. In the middle of the early evening, there should not be on television someone bearing that number of tattoos and be construed as acceptable or without controversy. A nipple of a woman is far more acceptable, uh, acceptable and natural than innumerable tattoos covering most of someone's torso and upper extremities, regardless of how toned or good looking the person is. I consider myself fairly socially liberal, even though I thought that this was too much, especially for children. Why? I would have to agree that it was totally unwatchable. I'd like to shout out my grad school roommate for turning me on to the terribleness of Maroon 5, but um, that's ridiculous. That is maybe my favorite reader email, except it was an <laughs> FCC complaint. Ever. Right. <laughs> sir, this uh, is a Wendy's. Sir, that is the ultimate sir. This is a Wendy's. <laughs> um, I also got a hilarious email uh, yelling at me 
for the fact that the Lakers will get AD, you stupid fool. Shout out Richard Gordon for that email. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. You. Glad you think so, bud. Glad you think so. Um, Chris, do you have anything else going on in your life? No, I mean, not really. Just excited to watch a bunch of basketball here over the next couple of days. So I'm excited that the practice is now on Amazon Prime, the entire like <laughs> eight season run. Uh, as someone who semi works in that field. Or, you have your postseason plans ready to go. I have my I have my like when basketball is not on plans right, ready to right, go. Right. Um, yeah, it's great. I'm excited there you about go. that. Um, this has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Chris uh, is over at Sporting News. Do you have anything you want to plug specifically right now? Uh, I put up a big board recently. I think I'm going to do some stuff over the course of the month on guys who play well over the weekend. So people should be on the lookout for that. Please do that. Um, yeah, that's about all I got for you. Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast again. Uh, it really helps us move up in the ratings when you do that. So please do that. Uh, I have written about, I wrote a mock draft on Monday. I have a Suns thing coming later this week at some point, but until next time, we'll talk soon.